Chapter Seventeen of Betty Wales Freshman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Betty Wales Freshman by Margaret Ward. Chapter Seventeen An Ounce of Prevention. I wish I could do it, Betty, but I'm sure it wouldn't be the least use for me to try. I thought I had a little hold on her for a while, but I'm afraid I was too sure of her. She avoids me now, goes round corners and into recitation rooms when she sees me coming. You see, I wonder if she told you about our trip to New York. Betty nodded, wishing she dared explain the full extent of her information. I thought so from your coming up here tonight. Well, as you've just said, she's very reserved, strangely so for a young girl. When she lets out anything about herself, she wishes that she hadn't the next minute. Yes, I've noticed that admitted betty grudgingly and so having once let me get a glimpse of her better self and then having decided as usual that she wished she hadn't she needed a proof from me that i was worthy of her confidence but i didn't give it i was busy and let the matter drop and now i am the last person who could go to her i'm very sorry oh dear said betty forlornly but isn't it so don't you agree with me i'm afraid i do then go back and speak to her yourself, dear. She's very fond of you, and I'm sure a little friendly hint from you is all that she needs. No, I can't speak to her either, Ethel. You wouldn't suggest it if you knew how things are between us. But I see that you can't. Thank you just as much. No, I mustn't stop tonight. Betty walked down the elm-shaded street, lost in thought. Eleanor had declaimed— upon the foolishness of coming back on time after vacations through most of the dinner hour and betty understood as she had not that afternoon what dorothy meant but now her one hope had failed her ethel had shown good cause why she should not act as eleanor's adviser and betty had no idea what to do next hello betty wales christie and i thought we saw you up at the golf club this afternoon nita reese's room overlooked the street and she was hanging out her front window. "'I was up there,' said Betty soberly, "'but I had to come right back. I didn't play at all.' "'Then I should say it was a waste of good time to go up,' declared Nita amiably. "'You'd better be on hand tomorrow. The juniors are going to be awfully hard to beat.' "'I'll try,' said Betty unsmilingly, and Nita withdrew her head from the window, wondering what could be the matter with her usually cheerful friend. At the corner of Meriden Place, Betty hesitated. Then, noticing that Mrs. Chapin's piazza was full of girls, she crossed Main Street and turned into the campus, following the winding path that led away from the dwelling houses through the apple orchard. There were seats along this path. Betty chose one on the crest of the hill, screened in by a clump of bushes and looking off toward Paradise and the hills beyond. There she sat down in the warm spring dusk to consider possibilities and yet what was the use of bothering her head again when she had thought it all over in the afternoon arguments that she might have made to ethel occurred to her now that it was too late to use them but nothing else she would go back to dorothy explain why she could not speak to eleanor herself and beg her to take back the responsibility which she had unwittingly shifted to the wrong shoulders she would go straight off too she had found an invitation to a spread at the Belden House scrawled on her blotting-pad at dinner-time, and she might as well be over there enjoying herself as here worrying about things she could not possibly help. As she got up from her seat she glanced at the hill that sloped off below her. It was the dustpan coasting ground. 
how different it looked now in its spring greenery betty smiled at the memory of her mishap how nice eleanor had been to her then and miss ferris if only miss ferris would speak to eleanor why perhaps she will thought betty suddenly remembering miss ferris's note i could ask her to anyway but she's a faculty well ethel is too though i never thought of it and dorothy had wanted betty's help in keeping the matter out of the hands of the authorities but this is different betty decided at last i'm asking them not as officials but just as awfully nice people who know what to say better than we girls do miss king would think that was all right without giving herself time to reconsider betty sped toward the hilton house all sorts of direful suppositions occurred to her while she waited for a maid to answer her ring what if miss ferris had forgotten about writing the note or had meant it for what nan called a polite nothing perhaps it would be childish to speak of it anyway perhaps miss ferris would have other callers if not how should she tell her story i ought to have taken time to think reflected betty as she followed the maid down the hall to miss ferris's room miss ferris was alone nevertheless betty fidgeted dreadfully during the preliminary small talk somebody would be sure to come in before she could get started and she should never never dare to come again at the first suggestion of a pause she plunged into her business miss ferris i want to ask you something but i hated to do it so i came right along as soon as i decided that i'd better and now i don't know how to begin just begin advised miss ferris laughing that is what they say to you in theme classes said betty but it never helped me so very much somehow well i might begin by telling you why i thought i could come to you unless you really want to tell that you might skip it said miss ferris because i don't need to be reminded that i shall always be glad to do anything i can for my good friend betty wales oh thank you that helps a lot said betty gratefully and went on with her story miss ferris listened attentively miss watson is the girl with the wonderful gray eyes and the lovely dark hair i remember she comes down here a great deal to see miss kramer i think it's a pity isn't it that she hasn't great good sense to match her beauty so you want me to speak to her about her very foolish attitude toward our college life suppose i shouldn't succeed in changing her mind oh you would succeed said betty eagerly mary brooks says you can argue a person into anything miss ferris laughed again i'm glad miss brooks approves of my argumentative ability but are you sure that miss watson is the sort of person with whom argument is likely to count for anything did you ever know her to change her mind on a subject of this sort because her friends disapproved of her betty hesitated yes yes i have excuse me for not going into particulars miss ferris but there was a thing she did when she came here that she never does now because she found how others felt about it indeed i think there are several things miss ferris nodded silently then why not appeal to the same people who influenced her before it was the question that betty had been dreading but she met it unflinchingly one of them thinks she has lost her influence miss ferris and another one who helped a little bit before can't because i'm that one miss ferris i unintentionally did something last term that made eleanor angry with me it made her more dissatisfied and unhappy here too so when i heard about this i felt as if i was a little to blame for it and then i wanted to make up for the other time too but of course it is a good deal to ask of you betty slid forward on the edge of her chair ready to accept a hasty dismissal 
Miss Ferris waited a moment. "'I shall be very glad to do it,' she said at last. "'I wanted to be sure that I understood the situation, and that I could run a chance of helping Miss Watson. I think I can, but you must forgive me if I make a bad matter worse. I'll ask her to have tea with me to-morrow. May I send a note by you?' "'Of course you won't tell her that I spoke to you,' asked Betty anxiously, when Miss Ferris handed her the note. Miss Ferris promised, and Betty danced out into the night. Halfway home she laughed merrily all to herself. "'What's the joke?' said a girl suddenly appearing around the corner of the main building. "'It was on me,' laughed Betty. "'So you can't expect me to tell you what it was.' It had just occurred to her that, as there was no possibility of Eleanor's finding out her part in Miss Ferris's intervention, a reconciliation was as far away as ever. "'She wouldn't like it if she should find out.' thought Betty, and perhaps it was just another tactless interference. Well, I'm glad I didn't think of all these things sooner, for I believe it was the right thing to do, and it was a lot easier doing it while I hoped it might bring us together, as Nan said. I wonder what kind of things Nan meant. She dropped the note on the hall table and slipped softly upstairs. As she sat down at her desk, she looked at the clock and hesitated. It was not so late as she had thought, only quarter of nine. There was still time to go back to the Belden, but after a moment's wavering, Betty began getting out her dress and into a kimono. Since the day of the basketball game, she had honestly tried not to let the little things interfere with the big, nor the mere interruptions that were fun and very little more loom too large in her scale of living. Livy tonight and golf tomorrow, she told the green lizard as she sat down again and went resolutely to work. When Eleanor came into dinner the next evening, Betty could hardly conceal her excitement. Would she say anything? If she said nothing, what would it mean? The interview had apparently not been a stormy one. Eleanor looked tired, but not in the least disturbed or defiant. She ate her dinner almost in silence, answering questions politely but briefly, and making none of her usual effort to control and direct the conversation. But just as the girls were ready to leave the table, she broke her silence. "'Wait a minute,' she said. I want to ask you, please, to forget all the foolish things I said last night at dinner. I've said them a good many times, and I can't contradict them to everyone, but I can here, and I want to. I've thought more about it since yesterday, and I see that I hadn't at all the right idea of the situation. The students at a college are supposed to be old enough to do the right thing about vacations without the attaching of any childish penalty to the wrong thing. But we all of us get careless then a public sentiment must be created against the wrong things, like cutting over. That was what the register was trying to do. Anybody who stays over as I did makes it less possible to do without rules and regulations and penalties. In other words, hurts the tone of the college, just as a man who likes to live in a town where there are churches but never goes to them himself, unfairly throws the responsibility of church-going on to the rest of the community. I hadn't thought of it that way. I didn't mean to be a shirk, but I was one. A profound silence greeted Eleanor's argument. Mary Rich, who had been loud in her championship of Eleanor's sentiments the night before, looked angrily at this sudden desertion. And Mary Brooks tried rather unsuccessfully not to smile. The rest were merely astonished at so sudden a change of mind. Finally, Betty gave a little nervous cough, and in sheer desperation began to talk. "'That's a good enough argument to change anyone's mind,' she said. "'Isn't it queer how many different views of a subject there are?' "'Of some subjects,' said Eleanor pointedly. "'It was exactly what Betty should have expected, "'but she couldn't help being a little disappointed. 
eleanor had just shown herself so fine and downright so willing to make all the reparation in her power for a course whose inconsistency had been proved to her it was very disheartening to find that she cherished the old reasonless grudge as warmly as ever but if betty had accomplished nothing for herself she had done all that she hoped for eleanor and she tried to feel perfectly satisfied i think too much about myself anyway she told the green lizard who was the recipient of many confidences about this time the rest of the month sped by like the wind as betty thought it over afterward it seemed to have been mostly golf practice and bird club roberta organized the bird club its object according to her was to assist mary brooks with her zoology by finding bird haunts and conveying mary to them its ultimate development almost wrought mary's ruin mary had elected a certain one-year course in zoology on the supposition that one year general courses are usually snaps and the further theory that every well-conducted student will have one snap on her schedule these propositions worked well together until the spring term when zoology one a resolved itself into a bird study class mary who was near-sighted detested bird study and hardly knew a crow from a kinglet found life a burden until roberta who loved birds and was only too glad to get a companion on her walks in search of them organized what she picturesquely named the mary bird club rachel and adelaide immediately applied for admission and about the time that mary appropriated the forget-me-nots that katherine had gathered for mary and lawrence and wore them to a dance on the plea that they exactly matched her evening dress and also decoyed betty into betraying her connection with the freshman grind-book katherine and betty joined they seldom accompanied the club on its official walks preferring to stroll off by themselves and come back with descriptions of the birds they had seen for mary and roberta to identify occasionally they met a friendly bird student who helped them with their identifications on the spot and then when roberta was busy they would take mary out in search of their birds as they called them oddly enough they always found these rare species a second time though mary because of her near-sightedness had to be content with a casual glance at them but what you've seen you've seen she said i've got to see fifty birds before june first that doesn't necessarily mean see them so you'll know them again now i shouldn't know the nestle or the shell-cuff but i can put them down can't i of course assented katherine a few rare birds like those will make your list look like something the pink-headed euthuma which came to light on the very last day of may interested mary so much that she told roberta about it immediately and roberta questioned the discoveries their accounts were perfectly consistent way out on paradise path almost to the end we met a man dashing around as if he were crazy explained betty we should have thought he was an escaped lunatic if we hadn't seen others like him yes continued katherine but he acted too much like you to take us in so we said we were interested in birds too and he danced around some more and said we had come upon a rare specimen then he pointed to the top of an enormous pine tree those rare birds are always in the very tops of the trees put in mary eagerly of course that's one reason they're rare went on betty but that minute it flew into the top of a poplar and we three pursued it it was a beauty and then you came back after me and it was still there tell her how it was marked suggested mary perhaps she knows it under some other name it had a pink head of course said katherine and blue wings goodness exclaimed roberta suspiciously don't you mean black wings katherine asked betty hastily did i say blue i meant black of course 
mary thought they looked blue and that confused me and its breast was white with brown marks on it what size was it asked roberta katherine looked doubtful what should you say mary well it was quite small about the size of a sparrow or a robin i thought they're quite different sizes said roberta wearily your old man must have been colour-blind it couldn't have had a pink head who ever heard of a pink-headed board we three are not colour-blind katherine reminded her and then there's the name roberta sighed deeply the new members of the merry bird club were very unmanageable meanwhile mary was industriously counting the names on her list which must be handed in the next day i think i'd better put the euthuma down roberta she said finally we saw it all right they won't look the list over very carefully but they will notice how many birds are on it and even with the pink-headed euthuma i haven't but forty-five i rather wish now that i'd bought a textbook but i thought it was a waste of money when you knew all about the birds and it would certainly be a waste of money now oh yes said roberta if only the library hadn't wanted its copy back quite so soon it was disagreeable of them wasn't it said mary cheerfully copying away on her list you were going to look up the nestle too girls did we hear the nestle sing it whistled like a blue jay said katherine promptly it couldn't protested roberta you said it was only six inches long on the plan of a blue jay's call but smaller roberta explained betty pacifically well it's funny that you can never find any of these birds when i'm with you said roberta katherine looked scornful we were mighty lucky to see them even twice i think she retorted next day mary came home from zoology one a which to add to its other unpleasant features met in the afternoon wearing the air of a martyr to circumstance roberta katherine and betty happened to be sitting on the piazza translating livy together girls she demanded as she came up the steps if i get you the box of hoylers that mr burgess sent me will you tell me the truth about those birds she had the lists read in class shouted katherine oh, i knew it said roberta in tragic tones did you tell her about the shellcuff's neck inquired betty mary sat down on the piazza railing with her feet cushioned on a lexicon i told her all about the shellcuff she said likewise the euthuma and the nestle what is more the head of the zoology department was visiting the class so i also told him and when i stayed to explain he stayed too and oh you little wretches not at all said katherine we waited until you'd made a reputation for cleverness and been taken into a society i think we were considerateness itself roberta was gazing sadly at mary why did you try all those queer ones she asked you knew i wasn't sure of them i had to my dear she asked us for the rare names on our lists i was the third one she came to and the others had floundered around and told about birds i'd never heard of i didn't really know which of mine were rare because i'd never seen any of them but once you know and i was afraid i should strike something that was a good deal commoner than a robin and then it would be all up with me so i boldly read off these three because i was sure they were rare you should have seen her face when i got to the pink-headed one said mary beginning suddenly to appreciate the humor of the situation did you invent them only the names said betty and the stories about finding them i thought of nestle and katherine made up the others 
aren't they lovely names roberta yes said roberta but think of the fix mary is in mary smiled serenely don't worry roberta she said the names were so lovely and the shell cuff's neck and the note of the nestle and all and i am honestly so near-sighted that i don't think miss carter will have the heart to condition me but girls where did you get the descriptions professor lawrence particularly wanted to know betty looked at katherine and the two burst into peals of laughter mary brooks you invented most of those yourself explained katherine when she could speak we just showed you the first bird we happened to see and told you its new name and you'd say why it has a green crest and yellow wings or how funny its neck is it must have a pouch all we had to do was to encourage you a little and suppress you a little when you put colors like pink and blue into the same bird continued betty so roberta wouldn't get too suspicious then those birds were just common ordinary ones i'd seen before exactly the nestle was a blue jay and the euthuma was a sparrow we couldn't see what the shell-cuff was ourselves the tree was so tall the primrose by a river's brim a yellow primrose was to him and it was nothing more quoted mary blithely you can never put that on my tombstone better tell your friend dr hinsdale about your vivid ornithological imagination suggested katherine it might interest him oh i shall said mary easily but to-night young ladies you will be pleased to learn that i am invited up to professor lawrence's to dinner so that i can see his bird-skins incidentally i shall meet his fascinating brother in about ten minutes i shall want to be hooked up roberta she's one too many for us isn't she said katherine as mary went gaily off followed by the devoted roberta declaring in loud tones that the merry bird club was dissolved i wish things that go wrong didn't bother me any more than they do her said betty wistfully cheer up urged katherine giving her a bearish hug you'll win in the golf again to-morrow and everything will come out all right in the end everything what do you mean inquired betty sharply why singles and doubles twosomes and foursomes you call them don't you they'll come out all right a moment later katherine burst in upon her long-suffering roommate with a vehemence that made every cup on the tea-table rattle i almost let her know what we thought she said but i guess i smoothed it over do you suppose eleanor watson isn't going to make up with her at all End of chapter seventeen